you're a musician then, a choirist, a chorist. Uh, what do we even? What do we call you? Uh, a chorist, uh, a singer, uh, uh, a waver of arms. Um, there's there's no official title. Hello and welcome to Ears Wide Open, uh, a literary podcast that is a project of the Open Book. 201 Ponsonby Road in Auckland. The Open Book is a fantastic secondhand bookshop where you can acquire all of the secondhand books that you might ever need. So you should drop in and visit if you are in Auckland. And if you're not in Auckland, you can mail order books from the Open Book through the amazing book bag um, project, which is available on our website. And these incredibly beautiful hand wrapped parcels arrive for you. So that is the advertising done, which is extremely important. <laughs> um, I'm Anna Livesey, the curator at large at the Open Book. And with me, I have Joss. Hello. What is your surname? Franks. Franks. <laughs> I know. There's a few things I'm very bad at. Uh, one of them is clearly surnames. I'm going to write them down. With me, I have Joss Franks. Welcome, Joss. You and both of your names. It's such a pleasure to have you here. What do you have to do with this bookshop? So I run a choir called She Choir Auckland, and we use this lovely place to rehearse. Fantastic. You're a musician then, a choirist, a chorist, uh, what do we even, what do we call you? Uh, a chorist, uh, a singer, uh, uh, a waver of arms, um, there's there's no official title, um, I'm that's a work in progress, um, but yes, I lead the choir. Um, it's a collaborative effort, but at the moment I have um, set the Auckland arm of it up, so at the moment I'm leading it. Yeah, And so what caused you to want to set up a choir? What's that urge in you? Um, well, I was part of She Choir London when I was living there and then I moved to Auckland a year ago and realised that I had a big hole in my life where She Choir was. So I decided to go forth and set one up, which um, has kind of become common practice with um, members of the choir. The choir started in Manchester in the UK, moved to London, and now there's um, she choirs in Bristol, Newcastle, Berlin, Frankfurt, uh, Auckland, possibly some small Finnish or Icelandic village. Um, can't quite remember, but yeah. So tell us a bit about its tendrils far and wide. What is this she choir that is um, taking over the world? Taking over village, the world. Well, village by village. <laughs> village by village. World domination will be ours. Next we take New York. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's a collaborative collective of women's choirs. So um, the idea is that all the choirs are inclusive, um, open to everyone um, who defines as a woman or genderqueer. Um, they're all free and non-auditioned, so you don't need any experience. Um, the idea is that anyone can just come along and have a sing and, yeah, have fun. And what's the collaborative bit? Because aren't all choirs collaborative? Um, all choirs are collaborative, but normally you would have a conductor or choir mistress or, as we were talking about at the beginning, a chorister, whichever name you wish to give them. Um, so although I've kind of taken the role of leading the choir at the moment, the idea is that any member of the choir can arrange a song, teach a song, lead a song, lead a warm-up, organise the concerts or the admin side of things. Um, 
So everyone has a role that's beyond just turning up and singing. In, I, I see to Joss beforehand, music's well out of my sphere of kind of ability to make really intelligent <laughs> comments on. But I'm interested in the idea, your feeling of there was a hole in your life and you were like, oh, I need to set this up again. So what mm. is the joy that this enterprise gives you? I think there's just a, a joy that comes with singing with other people that I haven't found anywhere else, um, including in other musical realms. Um, I play the violin and I played in orchestras for much of my life um, and that's a much more kind of um, structured way of creating music and I, I love doing that but when I moved to Auckland I didn't feel the same compulsion to find an orchestra to join as I did to find a choir um, and I did look around for kind of other choirs that I could join um, but I didn't really find anything that was the same kind of had the had the same culture um, as she choir so yeah decided to set up and in case we have any other listeners who are as ignorant as I am but it's possible we don't what does it mean to arrange a song so taking a song and um picking it apart basically so you'll have the bass line and you'll have the tune and you'll have harmonies and you might have percussive bits and it's all of that stuff um so it's basically taking all of those bits of the song and deciding which um part of the choir is gonna sing what and and we do it just we have bottoms middles and tops in the choir keep it simple and so you're just deciding which part is is gonna sing what and people will choose a section of the choir depending on their voice a lot of people switch between sections depending on the song you know if if it's someone's favorite song and they really want to sing the tune they might just join the bit that's got the tune for the chorus you know it's not like someone has you know someone sings the middle part and they're they're always in that they can people move around so it's sort of a puzzle of how does this pre-existing piece of music fit with these voices that we have available yeah yeah exactly how do you select what you're going to sing then is it the sound the politics the fit with the choir like what's um we kind of go with the idea that if someone wants to arrange something if someone wants to sing something then we'll do it with the idea that we are kind of very welcoming and diverse we don't tend to do anything religious um so you won't really find us singing carols at christmas but um other than that we kind of will sing what people want to sing um and if people want to arrange the songs themselves then that's great. Uh, we also have quite a um, repository of songs that have been arranged by all the other she choirs. So other we all she's. share other she's, she wolves, as we like to call them, call ourselves. Um, so we draw on those, um, and everyone has has access to that. And um, because we make recordings of all the parts, um, other people can go away learn that arrangement that someone else has done and then teach it to another choir. And so do you have performances or is it about the practice of singing together? Are you practicing for something or is it turning up and singing together that's the thing you're trying to do? Um it's a mixture really. Um we've only done we've done one performance so far um with the Auckland choir. 
um, and that was just at an open mic night. Um, and that's something that all the choirs um, tend to do as a, as a nice kind of low pressure performance. But as much as it's it's really nice to just come together and sing, it is also very satisfying to work towards something and to show other people what you've been doing with your time, what you've been doing with your Tuesday evenings. Um, so, yeah, we do tend to, to do performances, but they're more kind of um, a byproduct of what we're doing anyway rather than okay we've got this performance on this date and everything is leading up to that yeah so you've talked about um what you get out of the choir and the great things about it are there any parts that are really difficult of trying to do things in a group like this um i mean marshalling a good a big group of people is always going to have its, its difficulties maybe marshalling isn't the right word for a collective endeavour. Um, I suppose sometimes... Um, mustering. Mustering. Mustering, we like better. to say. Um, <laughs> um, sometimes the fact that it's quite a fluid group of people and, um, you know, we don't impress on anybody the need that they have that they have to come every week. Um, we recognise that, you know, everyone has different schedules and um, that does mean that, um, you know, what you achieve in one week isn't necessarily um, still available repeatable in in the following week (laughs) so occasionally that can that can be a bit of a challenge but it just means that you create something new so yeah right what about so it's women only women and gender queer identifying people so basically just no straight men yeah no straight cis men yeah and what's the benefit of that do you think what's that what's it about i think it just creates I think it's the freedom to create something without fear of, I don't know, making mistakes. It's having, (laughs) Um, I think the sense of security that comes from that atmosphere, um, it's very welcoming. Um, There's no sense of competition. It's just about women supporting women and all of us using the skills that we have, whatever they are to help other people be the best they can be or just kind of, you know, do things they might not have thought they could before. And I think that is quite unique to women-only spaces, kind of be people knowing that they'll be heard if they speak up, but also knowing that their voice has value even if they don't and making space for people who don't necessarily feel comfortable you know being the one who shouts the loudest and still giving them the space to express themselves however they want so yeah I mean that's an interesting kind of moment that we're in around all of those things Mm. as well and I have noticed that this topic of kind of gender and the politics around it um comes up in a lot of yeah the discussions that I've had so far um, even with Tim, who I was talking to before, he had a poem that was basically about trying to be less of an authoritarian person mm. um, and resile from some of those kind of macho yeah. characteristics um, that he's had. Do you think if you look forward 20 years, imagine yourself, will you still be interested in a female-only or a, or a woman-only or a non-cis men, however we categorise it, space? I think so. I don't think that the patriarchy is going to change enough in the next two decades for 
there not to be a need for women-only spaces in that time. I think they're a really valuable space for women to grow. Um, it comes back to having having that freedom and having the security and confidence to do that. Um, and I don't think, as much as we're making steps at the moment, I don't think the need for that is is going to disappear i'm nodding i'm nodding in agreement yes yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah so how did you find this bookshop and what is it like to come and practice here um i actually found it because i was staying with some friends who live around the corner when i first got to new zealand um and i studied english i've always been drawn towards bookshops so i came in and i spied that there was a piano in in the front room and I was kind of I, I clocked that one it's for bait. future it's bait. for future reference yeah um and you know that was when I first got here so I I wasn't ready to to start the choir just then but um you know a couple of months went past and I was looking for places that we might be able to rehearse and I remembered the bookshop so um I just dropped an email not really expecting anything of it got an immediate response and then was kind of forced into setting up the choir. <laughs> I, think you're a, I think you're not the only person who has had that experience of being like, oh, obviously this business will not respond to my like yeah. faintly crazed request and within five minutes like, yes, absolutely, we will do that. When will you start? <laughs> and they go, oh, shit. Right, okay. I actually remember being on the bus yeah. like, oh, oh, okay, well, I... Pfft. I guess I need to move on to step two of this plan. Then <laughs> that's what that's what that's what this is here for. I believe mm. getting people to move on to step two of their amazing yeah. plans yeah. to make the world better in whatever way, shape, or form that takes. And so, what's it like to come here every? Would you like to describe the bookshop a little bit for the listeners? What would you say about this, the open book? Um, I feel like it might have actually been set up with a choir in mind. I mean, that might not be the initial <laughs> reasoning behind the bookshop, but given it's got a piano in one of the rooms, another room where we can kind of all stand in a circle and kind of face each other singing, because that's that's what we like to do, a garden where we can rehearse in summer, and a bar across the road that now gives us locals discount. <laughs> I think it might have... It's, just been made for us? I'm not sure. <laughs> it was, I think. We can say that definitely. It was made for you and you were made for it to bring it life on Tuesday evening. <laughs> um, okay, so in uh, your favourite book. Let's talk about your favourite book. Mm. So, you know, this is a question that oh. delves into your professional expertise as an English student. I know. Oh. I did give her warning. You did, you did. So and actually, this, like is, this just... is a question that I frequently dwell upon. Um, do you listen to Desert Island Discs? I do not. Ah, so... No, it's, a, it's a failing. So people have to choose the, their eight songs or whatever, but then in the end they have to choose a book. And I always think the book would be much harder than the eight songs that they have to sing. So I think about it quite a lot. But actually, I think my choice is probably still the same as it was when I was 17, and I first read... Um... Flowers in the Attic. Amazing. <laughs> You got me. <laughs> um, um, George Louis Borges for the first time. God, I can never pronounce his name. I'm sorry, my Spanish is awful. Um, but I think I was going through a phase of studying philosophy 
and feeling that nobody else had thought what I'd thought before and then suddenly I found it in this very mystical, fantastical collection of short stories. Um, and I think just that... The, the title of which is... Art Fictions. I won't try and say it in Spanish. But he has a few other a few other collections of short stories, all of a, of a similar ilk. But that was the first one that was recommended to me by a philosophy teacher. And, yeah, I just remember reading it and going, oh, he's thought these things and put them into really beautiful sentences and stories and I could never do that and this is amazing. And I think that's the the work that I've always kind of gone back to and, and nothing's quite had that kind of visceral reaction shock since. of recognition yeah yeah great well i'm sure we've got some borgies on the shelves here somewhere is it borgies who has a, a a story that is about making a map that's the same size as the world it's most inconvenient yeah <laughs> also the the library of babylon that has every book ever written which is also kind of hellish yeah yeah yeah, the sort of oppression of knowledge and cataloguing. and Yeah, and you can you know, find the story of your own life if only you search for long enough, but you will die on the way. Unfortunately. However, <laughs> thank you, thank you, Joss Franks. That was fantastic. However, if you are looking for the story of your life and you feel like it might be in a secondhand bookshop, you should probably come along to this one. <laughs> Um, if you want to hear live singing or live reading the third Sunday of every month at 3pm we have an ears wide open live which this week Joss and the She Choir will be singing at which will be absolutely amazing Um, thank you very much Joss that was fantastic thank you